When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Hold on, it's an emergency podcast. We talked to Better Call Saul stars Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn about the series finale of Better Call Saul, and there's no time to spare. In the end, Jimmy McGill unbroke bad. Just when it looked like Saul Goodman, played by Bob Odenkirk, had finessed his way into a sweet plea agreement just seven years at the most country club-like of correctional facilities, he reversed course and confessed all in Monday night's series finale of AMC's Better Call Saul. It was a finale rife with references to regret, time machines, and how there's no shame in going back and changing your path, as Chuck McGill, played by Michael McKean, who returned in a flashback, tells his younger brother. With Breaking Bad stars Brian Cranston and Betsy Brandt also making an appearance, there is plenty for fans of the entire Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul universe to sink their teeth into. But ultimately, it came down to an ending that mirrored the very first episode of Better Call Saul. Jimmy and Kim back up against the wall, literally sharing a smoke with most everything left unsaid. Ma'am. No cuffs, please. Thank you. Hi, Jimmy. Hi. How did you... Uh, turns out my New Mexico bar card doesn't have an expiration date. Jimmy has been sentenced to 86 years in prison, and Kim, played by Ray Seahorn, could be hit with a massive civil lawsuit for her role in Howard Hamlin's death. And yet, in the scheme of things for Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, it was kind of a happy ending. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn about the series finale of Better Call Saul. We begin by talking about whether they had seen the episode before Monday night and how they watched it. I hadn't seen it, and Bob, had you seen it? I had not seen it. Um, and Bob's we watched... his head no. Well, we'll have to, like, verbally explain what he's doing. No, I, I had not seen it, and um, so uh, it was really fun to watch it, and what we did, and Ray, you can tell him what we did. Uh, we had a viewing party here at my house with so many great people from the show, and it was just the best. It was the best. Well, that's One not... of the best nights of my life. 
That's it was, fantastic. It was, it was amazing. If we could have invited every single person, we we would have, but we were crammed into Bob and Naomi's living room. Um, so we did the best we could. Uh, but it was, it was, it was lovely. Tears, joy, and um, all. I think most people in the room, I would say more people in the room had not seen it than had seen it. Um, wow. So that was fun. And so what was the reaction like? What was the, uh, was, was there any moment of like, you could hear a pin drop or there moments of just nervous laughter? You know, if you needed to hear a pin drop, you were in the right room. <laughs> we yeah we were uh serious watchers um i liked hearing the gasp when um, people saw uh betsy brant there that was fun yeah i actually had to like pause rewind and like did i just see who i thought i saw that yeah was, that was pretty amazing um you could hear a pin drop through the whole courtroom scene uh for sure People loved uh, Bob and um, Brian Cranston's scene. Um, there were people that were very moved by Kim uh, beginning to practice law in any way again. Um, and then uh, we got quite quite a lovely reception for when he walks into the prison cell and, and Kim is there. Yeah. It's, um, you, know. you know, listen, there were just a lot of feelings in that room. Six yeah. years of the show uh, for all of us, the biggest show in our lives. Mm -hmm. um you know the the risk that vince and peter took and they were both there uh with their significant others and the risk that they took in giving us these great parts um you know we just all had uh so many feelings about our about our careers but about our lives and our families wait speaking yeah the significant others uh vince's i, I love the fact that holly had had her little cameo sitting next to you on the bus when when you have sort of the breakdown moment yeah uh, and and so and and even see her hand at one point kind of like yes <laughs> so i, I told her her hand was written about there was some someone online that was writing uh about that scene and said um the person's hand that that reaches out to try to comfort kim that's all of our hands <laughs> we are all holly at that moment <laughs> so great yeah well, I know you guys were talking earlier about uh, um, the courtroom scene and mm -hmm. how, uh, you know, it took three days to sort of perfect it. And, and Ray, you had to sort of sit there in the back the entire time. So I'm always curious, what, what is that as an actor sort of, uh, you know, on the one hand, to me, I'd be like, easiest day ever, just kick back, relax. But, but I know you're, you're such a professional, you're probably busy thinking about, you know, still like, motivation think the thoughts what's, think what's the thoughts yeah, what, what can we thinking, thinking? Yeah. yeah i mean this sounds so cheesy but i mean it and having played a character that is often in scenes and not speaking um i think like it doesn't matter if you have lines or not if you're in the scene you're in the scene if you're in the scene you are a scene partner the absence of dialogue has very little to do with your importance in the scene. It is obviously a huge monologue of of Bob's, of Jimmy's, um, but uh, I am an active partner in that scene. And even even just sitting behind him, whether you can see my face or not, like she's actively part of some of the decisions he's making in that moment. And um, and um. It was great. I mean, and it was great to watch Bob go through all the different configurations. And then as he has said, in the third day, decided to um, redo it. He wanted to do it over um, less emotionally. Uh, I don't know if he's going to rejoin us. I'll just speak for him. Um <laughs> Jimmy, can you hear me? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, want, I, I don't know why I can't keep track of the Zoom at once. But look, um, yeah, I had to do it a third day. It was a really hard monologue to do. Um, I was so thankful that Ray was there and Betsy was there. And um, and those characters exerted pressure on Saul, um, different kinds of pressure. And, um, you know, so they're very much, like Ray says, scene partners in that in that scene, despite it being a monologue, because he's making choices. It's not unlike the first scene with Saul and Walter White and uh, had that long monologue in the office. And I kept asking myself, why is he talking so much? Hmm. And then the more I took the monologue apart, the more I saw that Saul was making different choices depending on the reaction he was getting from Walter White. So he's mm-hmm. always taken in the um, he's always taken in the reaction of the person he's talking to. And in this case, he's talking to an audience of Kim and and Betsy secondarily, but mostly Kim. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And clearly he wanted her there for that. And and as as right. you're watching in that final version, you're you're not quite not sure where he's going. And I'm not sure he knows where he's going, but as as he sort of progresses in his monologue, he becomes more sure. And if anything, he overshares. I my, my I love the part where they're they're like I, that Chuck stuff, I don't even think that's illegal. I, why would you even bring that up? Like, he's on a roll at that point. Yeah, he is. He He's really seen that uh, it's a watershed moment of him uh, breaking good <laughs> and, uh, and letting go of uh, his, uh, you know, tr- of his manipulation of of the of his persona and trying to just be as real as he can be and as open and accepting as he can be and uh it's a good choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love it i love the choice he makes yeah yeah Yeah. well it and and one of the things that you know when when jimmy becomes full tall and you start to wonder is there any jimmy left in him but even in that scene uh, where they're un- where he and Walter White are underground, you suddenly see Jimmy again. He's suddenly vulnerable again. So, what what's your thought, Bob? In, in how much of of even though during those darkest Saul days, was there any Jimmy in him at that point, or or how was he able to find his inner Jimmy again? Yeah, you know, listen, I think that uh, he he's always Jimmy McGill. He's just uh, he's on a program. He's running a program when he's Saul Goodman. <laughs> And he's uh, doing it with conscious effort, you know, just like when he tells Walter White, it's it's a fake, it's a phony, I'm, uh, it's a front, I'm just doing this for the homeboys. You know, he, he's choosing to be this guy and it's working for him. He's, he's enjoying it. Um, and he's not feeling uh, doubt and he's not um, wanting anyone's love who's not going to give it to him. And he's not wanting anyone's approval who's not going to give it to him. And he's, um, but, but it's a, but Jim, Jimmy's still inside him. And uh, it's letting go of that front of that facade that allows him to be as honest as he is in that courtroom. And, and he needs to do that to be at peace with his life. And um, it's just a beautiful thing that they wrote. And I think for the right reasons, I mean, it's, if Kim wasn't in that room, he would have run his little game and gotten his seven years. And the the crazy thing is he wanted her to be in that room. Yeah. But but then he here he brings her into the room and then standing in front of her, he realizes 
I'm just going to cement in her mind the only person I care about that I'm a piece of shit who will manipulate any situation to his advantage and that that's where I'm going to land in life. I'm going to end here at Saul Goodman. And he knows that that's a grotesque and pathetic way to land. And I think the other thing is the character has aged. He's gotten older. I mean, there's years have gone by. And uh, it's six, six years, seven years since they split up. And um, so now, you know, I think with age, he, get, he realizes it's just not worth it. It's not yeah. worth ending his life on that foot. Right. So would you, would the two of you call this a happy ending? It's weird. I think it is. Uh, yes. It's crazy because he's going to jail for the rest of his life. <laughs> and I consider, absolutely consider it the best ending he could have um, because he's at peace with himself and he's got he's got her he's earned her love. And he knows that even though they can't be together, you know, he proved himself to the one person he cared about. How about you? Yeah. Ray? I um yeah, I mean, happy is hard to wrap your head around. Um, yeah. Right. But uh, I I find it. I find it hopeful and I, I do find it to be, it's um, positive. I do think it's, uh, it, there is light, there is light there. Um, and and I agree with Bob. It's about um, living uh, living without the burden that they both have had um, hanging over them their whole lives, trying to outrun what people think of them. And, um, you know, certainly Jimmy more than Kim, but we know Kim didn't come from a safe, positive upbringing either. And, um, I, d I think it's, uh, I found it to be a positive ending um, and the happiest that you could be for those people. Yeah, Ray, speaking of burdens, six years of being asked if Kim's going to die, you're not going to have to <laughs> answer that question anymore. You're, are you going to miss that? Are you going to miss that, that that constant fear from the fans? I, I, will, I will miss the... Um, the lovely constant uh, dialogue I have with fans and their concern um, for her. I love that they saw her as a real person. I mean, it was, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what Peter and Vince and all of our writers and directors did. Um, and what I, uh, and what I got to do, we made a, a, a person that was fully three-dimensional to, to the fans and the, and the critics. And I'm super proud of that. Yeah. And that's why it was so fun to see her dying inside in Florida with, with the, uh, <laughs> Right, the, the wig and and the conversations, the the fact that she couldn't figure out what ice cream flavored order, so just go with vanilla. She doesn't trust herself to make any decisions anymore. Nothing, nothing. When Kim makes decisions, people die. She's like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapping out. So what's the Kim spinoff gonna look like? <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't know. If they if they want to do one, I'll I'll be there. I'll certainly. I just need a call time. She takes a job as a prison warden, and the wackiness ensues when she she gets mixed up with with Jimmy McGill. I like the yeah, title. Maybe, maybe. I like wackiness ensues as a title. Wackiness ensues. That's the title. The Kim Wexler story. Um, <laughs> well, she is going back to um, some kind of public defender type work. So it's not yeah. public defender. It's uh, like a low low. Uh, I don't know what kind of law firm that is, like a public like service. Pro bono law firm. volunteer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't, I want to see that show. Absolutely. It's, it's sort of like Night Court, but with, with Kim Wexler. I would watch yeah. that. 
<laughs> the other thing I was telling Peter uh, Gould the other day is I love that now, like they did, the writers did the research. If we ever do end up sort of having to go to a prison, we know exactly which prison to go to. Uh, and, and <laughs> prison not to. The one with golf, apparently, mm -hmm. yeah. that's an option. So, yeah. What were your your favorite moments of of the these final episodes? Not just the finale, but really this this last run. I guess since since we sort of like segued to the, the the black and white future, Ray, did you sort of have any moments that that stand out to you? Favorite, you know, it, it's 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 hard because it's such a uh, an embarrassment of riches. Like I, I I loved I loved the flow of all of the last couple of scenes um, and just the storytelling that was going on. Um, and the Florida stuff was hard trying to figure out who this person is and what is the timber of her voice and yeah, making they're... sure you can't tell Kim is there. You're like you, you know, it shouldn't look like she's depressed and and suppressing this until she gets the phone call from him and then the birthday song and you see that and so that was a lot of fun to figure out um i'd be hard pressed to say that my my, my favorite scenes are usually the ones uh that i have with bob though just because there's because he's the best scene partner ever but uh also because of the history of the characters and the work we put into the characters it's like everything has nine layers of meaning everything they say to each other everything they don't say to each other so those are always a lot of fun to work with but those Florida gals that played my friends, they were awesome. We had a good time. And Alvin that played Glenn, my boyfriend, was he did a great job. Oh, the, the, the dullest, <laughs> just like <laughs> most uninteresting boyfriend in the world. I, I, but I'm nothing's just... wrong with them. We, we, they made sure to like, there's actually nothing wrong with anything in that life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Mayo versus Miracle Whip. It's, it's an honest question. Sure, so. sure. Well, you guys must have heard the screaming of millions of fans for that final scene with the cigarettes. Um, yeah. I hear people liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I think. I, I think it's the two characters at peace with the, uh, themselves and 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 realizing how, what a great relationship they had. You yeah. know, not that they didn't know that, but I think in that moment, there's really a sense of like this was the best. You know, just a person you can hang out with is always the best. So yeah, that. and that and that slice of like the bond that they have that is not tarnished, that is not, that's bigger than, oh, we get turned on by doing scams together. Like in the end, like their utter stillness and, and there not being a need to talk and do and pretend and run around. They just, they, it, to me, it was the slice of them that is very real and is not tarnished and is not touched. And I love the even the idea that there there's that glimmer of maybe Kim will help Saul slash Jimmy sort of reduce his sentence and and get out on good behavior. So and yeah, I don't know. I he's got she... he's got eighty six years. I mean, I don't I don't know what he's gonna get. He's gonna yeah. He's first. He's got to take care of himself because the best he's gonna do is get out when he's you know. I don't know, ninety-five. <laughs> well, he, if he reduces, if he reduces his sentence, he's putting yeah. that Cinnabon work uh, to to good practice in the cafeteria there at the prison. Yeah, so. that's funny. <laughs> Draw that barrel. <laughs> help him see it right away. But that that final scene, that was the final scene that you guys shot. So the the cigarette scene was the final scene that you guys shot. What was that like on set? What was that? Uh, that must have been just such a moment for the entire staff. I know a lot of 
a lot of the other cast generally likes to join in and watch other scenes. Yeah. Like what was what was sort of that that like that that day when when you shot that? You know, I I gotta say I I guess I said it earlier today. It was the easiest one of the easiest scenes I ever shot in my life. Um, those two characters, like I say, at peace, kind of having owned up to their feelings and what they've done, their actions, and and sharing their space together, which they're so good at, which they're so comfortable at, and uh, and full full awareness of who the other one is, and and really uh, appreciating each other, and it was just easy to do. I mean, they just they just could stand and smoke that cigarette for as long as that cigarette will last and they could they could do it and i i could do it too it was just a a joy and a easy flow of energy yeah how about for you Ray? uh yeah bob's right I and mean, there's so much you know you have to be careful to not like you have to bring yourself to any scene and your day um but at the same time make making sure to do your job and not uh play whatever was going on in the outside world in a scene if it's not appropriate but this was one where it was um this wonderful marriage of of uh bob and i having you know a seven-year history the characters having an even longer history um and and being um at peace and having so many emotions about things that they can't even articulate but also not needing to to just yeah. um to just be um a lot of our cast members had gone and left and because of covid you can't have everybody come back for everything but um but we had the whole we had the whole crew there and uh and um even that was helpful because i knew that i couldn't just let all of the wave of emotions of like this is the last day on the soundstage doing the show come up in the scene but kim also cannot fall apart in the in the prison um cell and so they were all things that were um informing each other um and it was nice just to have that last couple of hours with those characters to um i think bob and i both really uh enjoyed savoring being in their skin one more time in such a in such a still way yeah no and i think you're right that that's one moment where the emotion of the the gravity of the actual situation lent itself perfectly to sure uh, on screen so so that that was really cool to see too yeah. Um, so, so we mentioned Betsy Brandt returning, and of course, uh, we we got our fill of uh, Jesse Pinkman and Walter White over the past couple of episodes. But Bob, I'm curious for for you, what was that like to re-enter that Breaking Bad world? It's so funny in in the the timeline of the series. It's not that many, uh, you know, it's not that long ago. But of course, when you actually shot Breaking Bad, that was a long time ago. That must have been surreal to sort of revisit that dynamic and and work yeah you're talking about the first night where they kidnapped me and take me to the winnebago out to the desert and that was one of the first things i shot in breaking bad and uh there was first the hurdle of trying to make me look younger but uh sherry our uh, makeup artist just is amazing and just with makeup she was able to fill out my face and and really i think did a great job um but uh, being in the Winnebago with the guys was <laughs> hilarious, funny, wonderful, a kick. Uh, and uh, it, it was great. I mean, in this show, I slide around time. I, I slip through time holes constantly. You yeah. know, every, a day can have Saul from, you know, 
when he just got to Albuquerque to Saul, you know, at the current moment to uh, breaking bad times. And so I'm, I, it's the job and it's the challenge of the job and it's, it's a joy um, to do it um, because it keeps things lively. But uh, it was just fun as hell. And of course, you know, Brian Cranston is a lot of fun on set. He, he laughs a lot and he's comfortable and, and Aaron Paul is the greatest as well. Very experienced uh, actor now. And we just had a great time and uh, fun to go back and, and live in those Breaking Bad days when uh, things were going our way, briefly. <laughs> well, Todd, time is a funny thing when, I, you, when you think about the fact that Aaron Paul is now in his 40s, but you know, having to still go back and play teenage uh, Jesse Pinkman in, in those uh, flashbacks is <laughs> crazy. But uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, uh, and Ray just get, getting a chance to see Kim in that timeline to realize she was there in that timeline. She even was in Albuquerque during that timeline and, and had that yeah. brush with Jesse is, was pretty wild to put all those puzzle pieces together. Very cool. And I thought they used that scene so well, showing two people on the opposite ends of realizing um, where their path went wrong. You know, Kim is on the other side of realizing that she, uh, that her life right now is a product of of many wrong turns. He he's at the beginning about to experience that and still thinks everything is smooth sailing. Um and also the juxtaposition of um Aaron's energy as Jesse in that is so great and it's upbeat and it's um ridiculous and inane and all over the place. And and hers, we know it was yet another scene where the audience is actually Kim's confidant in the moment. They know what she's thinking and feeling as she stands there, and uh, he has he has no idea. Because I love the scene that's in the office as well that precedes it um, with Jimmy and him, you know, tr doing this huge false front to pretend that he doesn't care about them anymore. And and Kim knows it, but it still hurts. Yeah. And uh, that was a really fun scene to play. Um, you, we audibly heard the crew go, ugh, when he said, you know, when he's like, have a nice life. They were like, oh my God, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite a few cringe moments. Right. But uh, yeah, no, it's it, great, great to see all of that. But also, uh, you know, going back to the finale real quick, one of the themes is uh, regret, the time machine, of course, um, for, for the two of you, if you, it's, it's the question you'll probably get a lot because of that finale, but did you think at all about sort of personally, where would you go with the time machine? Is, is there sort of a, a moment in time that you sort of look back at and say, I would go back and maybe do this again differently or. For Kim or for me? For you, for Ray Seahorn. Gosh, no. I mean, I, 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 I do go over in my head the times I hurt people accidentally or not that, you know, I'm never, never proud of that. But other than that, I don't, I don't really look back on my life as something that I, I should have done this or could have done that because I'm very thankful for the life I have right now and all roads led to this. Good answer. How about you, uh, Bob? What's when, when you think about the question that your character asks? Yes. I was raised Catholic. I would like to go back and fix things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, shame and all those wonderful feelings that you get from being, you know, growing up that way. So, yeah, there's things yeah. I would change. Now, the, let's talk about the two of you real quick. 
you, you obviously got to know each other well during these past uh, six, seven years, uh, even lived together uh, with, with the lovely Patrick Fabian. Is there a question about the performance, the characters, just the, the person that uh, you have for one another that maybe you've always been curious about, but you've never asked the other person? Gosh, that's hard to answer because I, I um, we have a very uh, open, candid friendship. We do ask each other uh, questions uh, of deep, deep importance and everything from career stuff to philosophical things. Um, and the good news is, I, I, I uh, we, we have a very real friendship in real life outside of the show. So I, thankfully, um. Thankfully, I'm not finished talking to him. I'll have I'll have questions <laughs> for him for the rest yeah. of my life. But, the, but well, no, I don't I, what I I I don't think Ray has an answer to this, or maybe not one that she'd be willing to share, because. Uh -oh. um, but I, the story's you know it's done, Ray. Um, yeah. So what what the hell happened to Kim? I mean, who is why is she? We know she, her mother was irresponsible. Mm -hmm. We know. Uh, she is she, so she as a kid was uh, super responsible um mm -hmm. to compensate but the the whole scammy part of kim and the willingness and even desire to break the rules and and to be excited by that what mm -hmm. the fuck happened to her was her dad a con man was she um did she was she a very very good kid who secretly wanted to break the rules and as an adult found that she could when she was in her early 20s was she doing a lot of crazy ass shit before she got her shit together yeah i think uh i do think her dad was a con man um i don't i think he was in and out of their lives and any gifts that he gave like you always knew they were probably stolen um and uh and then i think she um i think she pulled some cons and i think she shoplifted again you saw her do it once i think she did it again and um i think she started to uh realize that the only way she was going to um have a better life them those around her in the small town she was in would be if she went about it in a very slippery way and made a decision that she wanted to um see what she could do on the straight and narrow and i think by the time she gets to the mail room and meets jimmy it is she has made a decision where she wants to prove to herself that she could um that she could make something out of herself on the up and up but there's a part of her that always gets drawn back to um, the more the coloring outside of the lines and the more colorful way to do it. Um, and I think that her upbringing is also part of why she really, I, I think she was, she and her family were very much treated like uh, crap for being, I think they lived in a trailer park and I think there was a lot of class issues for how she and her family were treated that later makes her have such disdain for the Howard Hamlins of the world. Mm -hmm. How about that? How about that for an answer? That's a, it's a great answer. So well, you know, that's because Michael, because we, because Kim's a mystery. Jimmy, yeah. we know, you know, his yeah. backstory. We know a lot of what drives him, but Kim is not, you know, I have to go now. I have to do another interview starting now. So <laughs> oh, thank, that you, person. Your, that thank person. you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for the uh, interest in the show and the sharing with people.
you know, what we did and, and our very lofty goals that we had throughout the whole run of the show. We, we gave it our all. We wanted to make it as great as it could. And coming out of Breaking Bad, we had a, we had a high standard to try to achieve. And you know what? Because this, the, these final episodes are eligible for the 2023 Emmys, you're going to be talking about this for the next year. So That's right. There'll be many more panels. There are going to be many more events. And we are going to need all the help we can get, Michael, to make people know that those next ep- those final episodes are actually for the next Emmys. Yeah. Yeah, no, By the way, we're also going to get Carol Burnett's an Emmy. I mean, yeah. let's talk real quick before you have to go, Bob. I mean, working with the legend and i love the fact that it's carol burnett who ultimately dropped a dime on jimmy <laughs> that's why he's in jail now yeah it's the best it was the greatest time ever and of course she's a, a truly great actress with depth and range and sensitivity to her performance it's beautiful uh when she says i trusted you it's heartbreaking and so it was very easy to play opposite that and to play jimmy losing his uh cool and losing his persona uh, because his heart breaks looking in her face. And, uh, and, and so uh, I couldn't have been happier to have to, to get to spend the time I got with Carol Burnett acting. And um, she's full of energy. I Hopefully it can happen again one day. Had you worked with her before, Bob? I, I guess. No, 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 never. Only dreamed of meeting her one day i mean she her show was such a part of my childhood but her you know just her acting chops are the best the highest rank there is and uh she showed it and she should get a fucking emmy absolutely i'm totally did she know about mr show does she know your your no i don't think she knows mr show at all no because she's a huge better call Saul fan though there you go yeah she talked to Vince about that. That's how Vince knew. So I was just going to say, sketch icon to sketch icon. That's... I know. It was, well, it was really, she's an icon, and it was great to work with her. And uh, this has been the greatest experience of my career, and it'll never be better. And that's okay, because anything this good, you can't ask for more in this business. You can't. You can only hope to get it one time, and you're crazy lucky if you do. So the fact that I got it, I'll, I'll just never feel anything but joy and gratitude thinking back on it um, and try to bring some of the excellence and effort and in the good vibes to every other set I go to going forward. It's just try to bring some of this professionalism and humanity to all the other projects that I hope I get to do. Um, that's going to be my goal. Well, Bob, congratulations on what a run. And- Thank you. We'll let we'll let you go to your uh, your other interview, I, and uh, I'll just okay. stay with Ray. I'll just stay with Ray for a bit longer. Please do, please do. <laughs> Talk to you later, Bob. See you guys. Take care. So, Ray, are you in that introspective uh, moment yet, where where you're sort of thinking about sort of what this show means to you and what's next? And and uh, I know we've talked a, a bit about what's next, and uh, I know you're sort of. You've got uh, some stuff on your plate. Congrats, by the way, on the pickup of season two of Cooper's Bar. Thank you. Yeah, that'll be fun to write some more of those. Um, I mean, be with the writers writing them. I don't physically write them myself. Um, but uh, 
yeah, and I'm reading some scripts and in various meetings to figure out what's uh, what's next. Um, well, like you said, um, we <laughs> because part of this is for the next award cycle. I'm I'm thankful. Like I'm hanging on to any little scraps where I can tell myself that it's not over. Over. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bob has also said I think like it will still take a couple of months before we realize we're used to doing uh filming the show then it's airing then we're talking about it then you have a little break and then you pack up the u-haul for new mexico and go back and film more so probably will still like hit me again in another wave when we're not going back to tell more stories watching the finale though last night i i think peter did such a beautiful job it was uh that i i i did feel the weight of that i was like oh, that's that's a goodbye chapter. That's what that is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's a feat. As we know, final episodes are difficult. Yeah. People are, people are quick to shit all over finales. So yep. to, to pull it off, uh, that that is a feat in itself. And it's, uh, yeah, universally, uh, you know, I, I think people, uh, as they say, you guys stuck the landing. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. I, I, I you know, you, you can't please everybody. There's no way. Um, but I was very proud of the fact that I think it went out. It went out on a note that was that was unique to um, our show, as thankful as we are to have um, Breaking Bad be our uh, mothership. There are differences in the show and it does it does stand on its own and it has its own sort of um, timber to it. And I loved that it went out in that way. It went out philosophically and um, uh, very much a moral tale. So was Breaking Bad, but I, I, I was very happy that it didn't end, you know, like in explosions in a gunfight. It was, right. this was a, this is a, it, it, I think it rewarded the viewers and the fans for, um, for all of these deeper questions the show has been raising this whole time and the themes and the morals in it. Yeah, I think P Peter brought up the fact that yeah, it made sense that better uh, that Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul all ended very differently. All had very yeah. different endings, and that makes sense uh, for, for I think so. the, the main characters in those projects. So, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and I'm glad I one thing that he mentioned was the original idea was to end Better Call Saul on a sort of a a little more of a sour note. Uh, yeah. And and a starker note, and I'm glad that I'm glad it didn't end that way. I'm glad that it went with with a little more of this hope that at least these two characters got their souls back, even if it means Jimmy's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, and Ray's about to have uh, her ass sued by Howard Hamlin's uh, widow. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have anything. I don't know what she, she, anything. Get, but... she she can have my cardigans and my jean skirt. The wig and, and the wig. <laughs> yeah. Ray, um, looking forward to probably many more panels, uh, you know, with, with you and Bob and everything. So so we'll, that, that'll be a treat over the next year. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll do a few more of these, but uh, it's it's always a treat to talk to you and, and always a pleasure. So thanks. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for all of your con uh, considered questions and, and support of the show and me. That's Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn, Emmy-nominated stars of Better Call Saul.
And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news analysis and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Thank you.